Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We remain your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out what ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or even only one episode. Unlike those we study, we have chosen to remain in the television graveyard, and we are looking for newer, exciting plots to bury, or to unbury. You know what I mean. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Uh, I, I don't have a line uh, set up, so Lara wrote one for me. Uh, uh, yes, Lara, we can totally get a Westie and name him Reptar. Yes! You heard it! You all heard it! Mm. You all heard it! It's on tape forever! So wh- why did we do a bit where I was handed a card and forced to read it? Oh, we are doing the 2011 pilot What's Going On with Mike Mitchell. Yes! It was supposed to be an FX TV show. Yes, this ran one episode. Yep. Clearly more was filmed, but we only get one episode. Yes, it was based upon a very successful uh, UCB recurring show. Okay. That aired at their live theater. It was a Saturday at midnight show, which if you know anything about UCB is a fairly prime slot. Yeah, that is the spot. So uh, they tried to bring it to FX, but it ultimately was not picked up. Despite the ending being literally this man begging FX to pick up the show. But the idea is this man, Mike Mitchell. This is Mike Mitchell. He had a shitty job, but out of nowhere, FX just gave him a way better one. Hosting his own talk show. But there's a catch. They're not telling him anything that's going to happen. That's right. He won't know the jokes, celebrity guests, or even where he's supposed to stand. He knows literally nothing about what's going on. So he'll have to make it up as he goes. He'll have help from a fleet of producers called Team Mitch. And me, Michael Cassidy, Mitch's announcer and best friend. So please put your hands together for the luckiest man in television, Mike Mitchell! And even in the pre-recorded segments, they essentially uh, black bag him. Yes. They put him in the back of a car and take him somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's his segment. So he has to wing it as best as he can as the host of a late night talk show. So we hear at first from his announcer, Michael Cassidy, that uh, Mike Mitchell was in a dead end job and they essentially black bag him to bring him onto his own set. Yes. So he had a dead end job. He is terrified. He is being thrust in front of an audience and a Production assistant from Team Mitch just hands him his opening monologue. Yes, so he just has to do whatever the jokes are here and deliver them as best as he can. Yes. Uh, They do a good bit here where he's aimed at the wrong camera. Yes. Like, he doesn't know where he's supposed to stand or what he's supposed to do. Yeah, which shows that there was no rehearsal. Yes. Which I think is a nice touch. Oh, or it shows that they intentionally knew to aim at the wrong camera. Yeah, that's, that's also possible. And the first bit is he has to sign his own contract. Which yes. the joke is that he has no time to read. Yeah, he has not read it, so anything can happen. Right. And then he does his opening monologue, and it's, uh, to be totally honest, hacky. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing special about it. And it's tough because, like, when writing an opening monologue for a show like this, uh, you would keep in mind, like, the cadence and the style of... Your host. A Colbert monologue is going to sound different than a Jimmy Kimmel monologue. Yes, I was going to say, like, the the big different one, would I, I would say, is Conan. Because Conan, like, you could write something like, you do something silly. Right. Because, like, the way Conan is shot, he actually told his cameraman, whatever you do, never follow me. Because mm-hmm. he likes the idea of being able to jump out of frame and back in. Yes. While they'll follow Jimmy. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon when he walks around. Right. So, like, you have to keep that stuff in mind. Since the whole point is to make this guy, like, awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not doing him any favors, so you're right, you're doomed to fail. Yeah. You, this, this monologue can't do well. Uh, all right, transition into the monologue smoothly. Thank you for that. 
Um, a, a spokesman for the Tea Party Express said uh, they are not happy with a budget deal that prevented a federal government shutdown. First among the concerns, not enough money budgeted for tri-corner hats. And uh, Mike Mitchell, he's in a suit, but he's like kind of a schlubby everyman. Slubby is the like the first word that jumps into my brain schlubby. when I see this man is schlubby. Yeah, he's, you know, he says he's turning 29. Yes. But he looks like he's in his 30s already at this yeah. point. Uh, he is a guy you see at a football game. Yeah. Like, that is the best way I can describe him. Uh, they do... So the monologue is not great. It's not terrible. Like, he delivers the bad jokes as best he can. Like, he right. does have a stage presence. Uh, which I think is important. He's not dying up there. Right. Which I think is incredibly important because that's... When the show does succeed, it is on the back of whether he can pull off the the joke. Right. And they do his first segment where he gets, uh, he's been kidnapped and taken on to a porn set. Yes. Which so, exists to make him feel awkward. And it's also that very piloty, we have to do something outrageous for the first yes. episode to set it apart from why it's not on like a TBS or a network. Yes. They want it to be on FX, so they want it to be a little edgier. Yeah, so this is our first like field piece. Yes. And he's like, I don't know where I am. He's wearing a blindfold. He doesn't know where he is. And he pulls off his blindfold, and there are two naked people laying in bed. Yes. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm on a porn set. Yeah. Uh, I actually made it a point to note, both of the actors on the film are depicted as just being very amiable and very sweet. Yeah, they're the nicest porn stars I've ever seen. And, like, there's a great sequence where he's running lines with yes. the female porn star. You want me to help with the lines or something? That'd be so awesome. I want to do something we've never done before. I'll do anything you want. I want to you in the So awkward. Mm -hmm. And she is so calm. Yeah. It's her, she's just, just a day at the office with her. But you get the impression that she's like, she thinks it's pretty funny that he is visibly dying. Mm -hmm. Well, he also runs lines with the male actor. Yes. Uh... So they, they do this, like, great little, like, mini-interview, and uh, they're wearing their costumes, and then they set up Mike Mitchell to run the boom mic. And I actually wrote, the camera work is admirable in this sequence. Right. They do a great job of capturing how awkward everything is for Mike Mitchell, mm -hmm. while not really coming off as exploitative yeah, of the adult film actors. Yeah, you can't see the the actors, but, like... You know that he is a pole's length away from two people having sex in front of him. Yes. Like, it's a funny idea. And, like, the, the camera work is very skillful in, uh, this is going to be a super, super weird comparison. A big complaint of uh, one of the episodes of Game of Thrones, when uh, Sansa Stark is sexually assaulted by um, Ramsey Bolton, is that the camera focuses on Theon Greyjoy and his reaction. Right. And a lot of people didn't like that because this is this trauma happening to Sansa Stark and we're studying a man's reaction. I thought about this because this is that same people having sex but we're focusing on someone else's reaction. Yeah. In the complete other direction played for total comedy, the sex is... Like, the sex is not a rape. It's more of, like... I mean, it's transactional because it's a right. film. But it's this idea <laughs> of, like, you're just seeing someone's reaction. One of them is played for drama. One of them is played for comedy. <laughs> this might be the best bit of commentary you've ever <laughs> given to Stay Doomed. Like, you know that scene where Sansa gets raped? It's that but funny and good. <laughs> I would like everyone to know that's not how I meant to say that. It, but, like, they've reminded me of each other in that it's all about someone else's reaction. Right. And how, uh, what game, like, that this show was more successful in that bit than Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because Game of Thrones centered something that was not about this person mm. on this person and made their reaction more important than what was actually happening. And in this, the joke is that for these two people, it's not a horrific trauma. It's a day at the office. But for 
the guy watching it is now both a day at the office and horrific trauma because <laughs> he's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I was just that, like, I don't know why it reminded me so much of that sequence. Yeah. So you heard it here. What's going on with Mike Mitchell? Better than Game of Thrones. Mike Mitchell, what do we say to the god of death? I, I don't know. No one told me. Here's your cue card. Oh, 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 oh. Later today? Oh. <laughs> so, uh, this was a lot of fun. And then we get the first celebrity guest. Yes. It is very obvious they did not tell Mike Mitchell who the guests were. Right. Which... Uh, there are certain things of here I'm not entirely sure he does or doesn't know, but I'm, right. I 100% buy that he did not know who this first celebrity guest was. Right. Because when Will Ferrell comes out, Mike Mitchell almost cries. Yeah, just the joy of seeing, like, one of probably his comedic heroes. Oh, my next moat is almost in quotes, Mike Mitchell cries. Because <laughs> what year is this? 2011. This is 2011, so this is like, this is not quite peak- Will Ferrell, but like, this is post Anchorman and uh, uh, Step Brothers. Yeah, I think and this stuff is like, like uh, the campaign era. Will Ferrell. Yeah, the cam- the campaign was probably like his last really good movie, and it would have come out like right around here. It depends on how you feel about Anchorman Two: Legend Continues. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. But yeah, like this was Will Ferrell's. Still, like, you and I have had this conversation before just as a conversation about how there aren't, there's, there hasn't been another Will Ferrell. There hasn't been another actor in the comedy game mm-hmm. who has been able to sell a film. Yeah, because he's going to be in it and be funny. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking about here. Of Like, this is, he's at kind of the pinnacle. He starts to, like, do fewer films after this. Right. But, like, Will Ferrell is a brand at this point, and he is a successful brand. Yeah, and now he's on his show. And uh, Will Ferrell comes in, sits down, and Mike Mitchell is effusive in his thrill that Will Ferrell is there with him right now. Yes. Now, this is a thing I noticed. Because in doing this show and doing conventions and things like that, I'm often in a situation where I end up on a podcast. Yes. And there's a few podcasts you can listen to. I won't call them out. But there are a few podcasts where I'm a guest. And you can tell the point where I realize that the podcasters don't know what they're doing. And I'm going to start driving. Yes, I've actually watched this happen. And Will Ferrell kind of gets to that point where it's like, I'm not going to let this bomb. So I'm just going to take over. Yes, um... Will Ferrell kind of jokes that the show is cursed. Yes. And is like... My, no, my pleasure. Um, it, it is an honor to be your first guest, but you made it... Well, it wasn't your decision. No, not at all. <laughs> I would have given the huge thumbs up to you. The, the, sh- the show made a terrible mistake. How's that? Because there's, you know, uh, every, every talk show I've been the first guest on has been cursed. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. John McEnroe, <laughs> the Megan Mullally talk show. Yeah, I remember that one. And then, of course, I took Conan down <laughs> on the Tonight, on the tonight se- Show. You yeah. seem semi-proud of him. Well, that one, that <laughs> one, I finally toppled Conan. That was good, yeah. No, so I'm sorry. So this this will be your last show. That's- yes. And that joke is very, very funny if the show had continued. <laughs> I think it's funny because it didn't. It's funnier because it didn't. I, yeah. yeah, I guess there's that schadenfreude. And they do another, like, they do the physical challenge. Yes. So he's given a card and it's just like, oh, we're going outside for a new game or a new segment. Yes. I forget what it was called. It was like, um, you know, this morning. Uh, <laughs> that was a good it's transition. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this morning, uh, after I left my apartment, uh, my roommate, Matt Kowalik, uh, <laughs> let the producers of the show into my room. So that they could steal my bed. What the? (laughs) For real? I guess so. It's all all part of our new segment, Save Your Bed. Save Your Bed, yes. Which, to me, has the similar cadence of, Do You Know Ya Boo? From Parks and Rec. Yeah, just like, not a great title. No. Um, 
And he's up against Will Ferrell. No, they're a team. Oh, they're a team. Versus... Versus the steamroller. Right. They have to find a matching set of pajamas out of a pile. Yes, you think you've undersold this. Uh, The first thing he finds out is that they have... That the producers have broken into Mitchell's... Mike Mitchell's home. Yes. And stolen basically his bedroom. Yeah, like his nightstand, his bed. His bed and... His, like, crappily unmade bed. Like, they didn't even bother to make it. Yes. And I assume, like, a pile of his laundry. Yes. And he's told that they have to work together as a team to find a matching pair of pajamas. Yes. Before a steamroller will run over his bed. Yes. I have problems here at this point. One, I don't actually buy it's his real bed. Yeah, and the thing is... If it was his real bed, which, see, the issue I have is, based on what I'm seeing from the show, I could believe it was his real bed. Mm -hmm. They could have taken the time to show us that. Yeah. Because if the whole point is they broke in, they should have taken pictures of his room. Mm -hmm. Like, look, here's his bed. And then had it, like, dissolve into his bed being outside. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite... Things when uh, Rihanna breaks into Jimmy mm. Kimmel's apartment, yeah, to do the "bitch better have my money" prank. Like you see everything; it doesn't just come in on Jimmy's bedroom. Mm-hmm. You watch the crew and Rihanna break into his house with Jimmy Kimmel's wife giggling insanely in the background. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. Like we should have seen Team Mitch and Mike Cassidy, mm-hmm. who are our other characters. Coming in, like, have Mike Cassidy do, like, a little sub-broadcast from inside the apartment. hmm And, like, make fun of Mike Mitchell's apartment a little bit. Yeah. Just something like that, because this reminded me, there was a show, it, was, it started out as a British show, and then it made its way to Comedy Central, called Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. Oh, yeah, with Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yes. And uh, they did a bit very similar to this, where they picked someone out of the audience, and they were like... Uh, could you imagine if we went to your home and took pictures of your bed? We didn't do that. Could you imagine if we went in with a video camera? We didn't do that. Imagine we broke in and brought your bed here. We did do that. And you they bring out her bedroom set. And you believe it's her bedroom set. Yeah. By the way that she reacts and, like, the detail that goes into it and such like. Yeah, and, like, nothing about it looks, um, like, nothing about it looks super personal. It's a bedroom mm-hmm. set. Like... I think they could have sold this better if he'd had, like, embarrassing sheets or something. Well, I mean, like, I think if he had embarrassing sheets, I would believe even less that it was actually his bed. But, like, just showing them in his home, taking the bed, is such a key point here. Yes. That they miss. Uh, Then beyond that, the game is not fun. No, it's trying to, like, it's me getting ready for work. Yeah, it's like, find a, a matching pair of pajamas in this pile. And there's nothing believable no. about the fact that the game is winnable. No. Because, like, I can't believe... The thing that I super can't believe is that there's a chance that we're not going to see a bed get run over by a steamroller. Yeah. Could, could you imagine if the first episode contained a scene where they did it? Yeah. Like, there's so many better ways to do this. What I would have done is I would have taken his bed and then I would have taken something else of value. And he would have to choose what to save. Yeah. This way, it's like, we're guaranteed to see the smashy thing because that's what we want Mm -hmm. as an audience. And, like, we can see him struggle with something we know is unwinnable, but, like, at least he does actually have agency Somewhat in the situation. And if the the joke is that you're kind of messing with him, the other thing could have been embarrassing. Yeah. Or even something as simple as like, instead of it being find a matching pair, it should have been put all of them on. Yeah. Because then that at least looks silly. Instead of watching someone separate whites and darks. Yeah, like, it's like when you... 
didn't put your clothes away after taking them out of the laundry. Mm-hmm. And then Monday morning, you're trying to get ready for work and you're like, I need socks. Yeah. And the, like, you're just trying to find a pair of matching socks. And there's a steamroller right outside. And, <laughs> and but the steamroller's called, you're going to be late for work and someone's going to yell at you. Yeah. Um, so his bed gets destroyed, which it, it is super satisfying to see yeah. something get run over by a steamroller. It really is. It's an un, it's an underutilized form of destruction. Yeah. Like, the Warner Brothers cartoons had that right. Yes, that's true. It, it looks about the same as it does <laughs> in the cartoons. Yeah. If the bed had sprung up like an accordion. <laughs> so, we do another video package. And this time, uh, Mike Mitchell is at, like, a deli. Yes. And Larry King shows up. Yeah, he takes off his blindfold and he's next to Larry King. Like, at that point, probably one of the greatest late night hosts of all time. Yeah. And Larry King immediately tricks him. Yeah, Larry King is a bit of a jerk. No, it's really funny. Uh, Have a bagel. That's an everything bagel. Go take a bite. First rule, never eat while you're on the air. So then he's doing this conversation with Larry King, like, through a bagel. Yes, which is fun. And Larry King role plays... A disastrous celebrity interview with Angelina Jolie. Yes. Which we're, I think we're going to play a clip of. Well, I think it's very interesting that he pretends to be Angelina Jolie and he says... All right, I'll be Angelina Jolie. No, oh, yeah. Go ahead. What? Well, you got Angelina Jolie, a setup. She don't do many interviews. So Mike, you and Brad Pitt have a lovely relationship. No, see, so you're assuming that. Angelina, you and Brad Pitt are dating each other. You adopt a lot of children. Are you going to give birth to more children? Oh, see, that seems like a weird question to ask her. No, it's a good question. Yeah, all right, yeah. And then you hit it with the blockbuster. Yeah. You got to be delicate about it. You broke up a marriage. Yeah. You broke up a marriage. What? What's, That's what all are... you got to say. <laughs> I didn't mean it for it to happen, but... But you know what? It did happen, and, you know, good. Jennifer now has to deal with that on her own, and, yeah. you know, she has no one, no shoulder to cry on. <laughs> she has no Brad Pitt to cry on. Her. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Should be crying. It's like, no wonder she doesn't do interviews. Yeah, like, it's very hard. It's about how, like, she broke up uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston's marriage. Yeah. Which also by this point was, like, old, old news. Yeah. Like, Angelina, like, Brangelina started in 05. Yeah, right around Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Because I saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith in theaters, because there was that summer we talked about where I saw literally everything that came out. It's a decent film. Uh... So, like, this was kind of an old news joke anyway. Right. But it worked. This segment is funny. The segment does play well. Yeah. Like, you can tell that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, this is another issue, though, where, like, Larry King is driving. Yes. Uh, and the next segment makes it really clear Mike Mitchell's not in charge. Yeah. Uh, he brings up his next guest, which is... One of these things that, in hindsight, is a way bigger get than it was at the time. Mm-hmm. He brings out Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. This is pre-Hunger Games. Yes, Jennifer this is the Lawrence. before Hunger Games. This is before Silver Linings Playbook. This is like they actually call her out as being the star of uh, Winter's Bone and like The Beaver. Yeah, they mentioned that she's in The Beaver, the Mel Gibson return film. Yeah, like this is not. This is pre anything. She's on there to promote X-Men First Class. Yeah, that she's gonna be Mystique. (laughs) Yeah, like she's currently working on that. And Will Ferrell does not leave. Yeah, this is common for some talk shows. This is very like Graham Norton-y feel type thing. Oh, and I meant to bring this up. There's kind of this running gag and kind of like cliche that happens with talk shows. Where the host is always in a chair... Mm-hmm. That makes them taller than the guest. Right. Did you notice that they had Mike Mitchell, like, sit in a hole? Yeah, and, like, it also doesn't help that both Will Ferrell and Jennifer Lawrence are quite tall. Well, yeah. But, like, they also, like, went out of their way to make sure the guests are always taller than him. Yes. Which is great for what this show is. Yeah. And they're they're both tall people, so it's not that hard to do it. Yeah. So that little detail I thought was really good for them to like include that cuz eventually the idea is they would have a guest that's not taller than him, 
but they would make them taller than him so he doesn't feel like he's in control of the situation. Yeah, and it'll be really funny. It'd be funny if it was somebody who was, like, famously a bit short. Yes. Danny DeVito on. Yeah, like a Michael J. Fox, a Danny DeVito. Someone who's famously not tall. So Will Ferrell doesn't leave, and then, like, Will Ferrell is still driving. Yeah, Will Ferrell's still, like, making jokes and trying to, like, keep the show... Floating. Afloat, yeah. And And Jennifer Lawrence has a a great quote during it where she just dead looks at Mike Mitchell and goes, Uh, Oh, man. It's like you brought the funny guy to the bar and now you're Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Super on brand for Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Circa 2011 to just drop the F-bomb on what's going to be a TV show. Mm -hmm. But Will Ferrell is carrying the show and my notes then say, this is fun, but this feels like a hard gimmick to keep doing. Yes. On a TV show. Because, like, Jennifer Lawrence and Will Ferrell just chit-chat about Sour Patch Kids, and Mike Mitchell clearly develops a giant crush on Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, he's in love with Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence offers Mike Mitchell her bed? Yeah. Like, I'm gonna have a new mattress if you want my old one. <laughs> And like, and she's not famous enough to realize that like that's going to be creepy for her. Yeah, but I also <laughs> totally believe that's something that Jennifer Lawrence would do. Yeah, <laughs> especially pre Hunger Games, pre like super fame Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. where she's just like still fairly normal person. I know up to fairly recently she was still living with her parents. Oh really? Yeah, she bought a house but moved her whole family into it. She's like, I can't live on my own. Have Aww. you seen me? <laughs> that's adorable yeah so like she did and she was really in still an every girl she was developing a career as an actress but she hadn't blown up yet mm-hmm. so this is like early super genuine uh there were no publicists or handlers trying to rein her in jennifer lawrence right jennifer i have to say the jennifer lawrence will ferrell conversation is hilarious yeah it's great we have a lot of fun watching it mm-hmm but it's when I realize I'm like, this seems like a difficult gimmick to repeat. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of the show pretty much already. Yeah, well, there's a song. We well, get the musical guest. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway a little bit. Yes. Where it's like right before the credits slash bleeding into the credits. <laughs> and the musical guest is predictably Mike Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Will Ferrell at this point are still upstage. Mm-hmm. Mike Mitchell starts to kind of, like, awkwardly improvise a musical number. Yes. And, like, the song that's playing that he has to sing along to is not very good. No, it's generic. (laughs) And, uh, but you know what is good? Watching Will Ferrell in the background. Yes. And he's not very good because there's one super frustrating line. Where he sings, My dad got crushed in the parking lot. I'll be sleeping at the producer's house until they find me a new one. Cot! Until they get me a cot! It rhymes with lot! It's so easy! Yeah. And then later, like, throughout the rest of the song, he does get some rhymes in. Yeah, he starts to figure it out. Anytime he gets one, he's super proud of himself. He does this failure of a closing number that is probably the most awkward part of the entire show. Because you're watching just somebody suck at improv. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I've seen a lot of improv and I've watched a lot of people suck at improv. It never gets easier. Right. To watch someone suck at improv. So then they close the show. Um, they do the like, you know, thank you, Will Ferrell, Jennifer Lawrence, Team Mitch, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now I'm going to beg FX to pick up this show. <laughs> Please, FX, pick up this show. Yeah, it's not even like, this is going to sound terrible. It's not even very creative begging. No, it's just begging. It should be noted that he thanks Funny or Die, mm-hmm. which is owned by Will Ferrell. Yes. So I did have kind of a moment of like, oh, that's why he's here. Yeah. Uh, So. Will Ferrell has a plastic smile during this entire sequence. But he's also have, he has skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Like he wants this to do well. Yeah. Because he's kind of producing it. Yeah, but he's visibly like, oh no. Yeah. Like he's got that, 
you know, that smile that doesn't quite reach the eyes. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence is lovely and gracious through the entire show. Yeah. Uh, like, to the point where I'm like, was this one of your first talk show I was about to say, I bet this is her first time on a talk show. I don't think it's her first time. She'd already been nominated for an Academy Award when this happened. Really? Yeah, Winter's Bone. Oh, I keep forgetting about that film. Which, like, if you know anything about the movie, it is clearly a very long audition tape for Katniss Everdeen. Oh, okay. Because she's living in the woods, taking care of her family, and hunting. Oh, okay. It's a very on-the-nose audition tape. Um, But then after that, we have the credits, and they do another improvised song, this time with Will Ferrell. Yes. And it's not good. It's not any better. Like, they kind of try to do the hoedown thing, where Mike Mitchell sings a line, Mm -hmm. and then Will Ferrell's supposed to respond bond with a rhyme yeah and then they just kind of lose their way yes what a rapport between you and i we sure hit it off like two diamonds in the sky you and i kind of failed can i sleep over your house tonight Probably not. In fact, the answer's no. Go sleep with your parents. They're at the tally ho. So it is. It was rough. Yeah, and like. It's hard to pull off a stylistic choice for something to be not very good. Yeah, and the the biggest issue I have with this show, I think, is it sounds like such a good idea. Yeah. It really sounds like, oh, the, he's the host of a talk show and he doesn't know anything that's going to happen. That's really interesting and fun. Yes. Like, I really want to see this. And then, of course, my first thought is, well, could I do this? If I was in this situation, would I be able to handle it? I mean, like... There are quite a few episodes, if you go back into our Plus Two Comedy episodes, where I'm interviewing someone, and I really don't know enough about them to have a good interview with them. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I survive it and stuff like that, and it it seems fun, but the main thing about this show is you need to walk this razor-thin line of, if this person is too good at it, people aren't going to buy the gimmick. Mm-hmm. Because they're not tuning in to watch someone be good at this. They want to see him struggle, fail, and be awkward. The other issue is if they're too bad at it, then it's not a show anymore. <laughs> uh, my issue, uh, and we'll get into this on our final deliberation, mm-hmm. but how do, you, how do you keep going with this show? Um, I definitely don't think the ideas were exhausted here. Right. Uh, and I think one thing that, like, made me like this more was when we started looking up the clips of the live show. Yes. Uh, because one, the, the two videos we saw that I really enjoyed was where he legitimately doesn't know he's doing the show that day. And they just show up at his house and are like, you have to get into the car. The audience is already in studio. We're doing an episode right now. Super would have loved that moment Mm -hmm. for the show. Yeah. To kind of like, had they told him the show is Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, they're like, nope, audience is here. I liked, we watched something of uh, an animal segment. That's the other one. With uh, Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory. And it's another one where the celebrity kind of steals it. Yeah. Because Jim Parsons is so not here for this. <laughs> um, so I like the element of, like, the celebrities don't quite know what's going to happen either. Yeah. Um, I I have a little more to say, but I feel like it would wait best for when we say the final verdict. Well, I mean, I would say it now because we don't have any, like, we've covered the entire show. Okay. Like, well, explain what happened with the animal. I don't remember. Oh, sorry. Uh, So what happens with the animal, that should be explained, is uh, Jim Parsons, the guest, this is one of the live shows that was filmed. Yes. And they had an animal expert come on, 
which is such a talk show thing. Yeah, the Jack like, Hanna. Yeah, the, like that's a thing. Bindi Irwin. And it's just this girl, and she comes out with, like, four snakes. Yeah. And just dumps them on him. Yeah. And he's like, now he's just covered in snakes. And Jim Parsons, uh, nopes out. (laughs) But what if, like, that, like, the cliches of what happens on a talk show. Like, that would have been a good one. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of the other cliches. And the other thing that I think we need to take into account is this is 2011 yeah so this is before fallon right i'm he might be doing late late or uh or uh what was the what's the after the tonight show called oh the late show no because the late show is colbert and then the late late show is uh corden whatever seth meyer's show is called uh the show i'm not allowed to talk about because you don't like him i don't like seth meyer's it was late night Late night? Yeah. Okay. Oh, tonight, late night, late show, late, late show. Got it. Yeah, he's on late, he was on late night with Jimmy Fallon, and now he's on the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, but Jimmy Fallon, when did he take over the tonight show? He took over the tonight show in 2014. He was doing late night at this point. He was solidly in the middle of late night. But I feel like this is before the, the formula of a talk show, a late night talk show was... A guest comes on, you do an interview, and then you do a bit together. Yeah. I mean, this was like when YouTube was starting to really flourish as... I mean, I don't know anybody who watches these shows live anymore. That's true. Everyone's watching Colbert, Fallon, and Kimmel in these bite-sized clips on YouTube. Yes. Seth Meyers, I think, does the fewest of these gimmicks, and that's why he is not in as much. Yeah. Compared to, like, Corden. Who is also doing a super late yeah. show. And he's always doing like... Like Corden's always doing bits where it's like, alright, we're going to go do musicals and crosswalks. We're going to go do... Uh, uh, what's, what's, carpool karaoke. Carpool karaoke and things like that. The riff off, the musical theater. Yes. Anytime you have someone who can sing. Yes. Jimmy's always doing games. He's always doing like lip sync battles and sometimes he just plays catchphrase. And Drinko and things like that. Yeah, he always has a game. He has, like, the trivia game with the puppies. Yeah. Which, Jimmy Fallon, call me. But, like, none of that existed really in 2011. Yeah. Because, like, I was a Letterman guy for a long time. And, like, I would kind of turn it off once the guests showed up because it was always just an interview. Yeah, the only one who was doing anything kind of even close at this point was Kimmel. Yes. Because this was after, like, the Matt Damon bits had already started at this point. Right. Because I remember watching uh, Sarah Silverman's video to Jimmy Kimmel about Matt Damon. Yeah. Like, in college. Yeah, I remember playing that song on my college radio So he was clearly, like, pioneering this. Yeah. So, like, the what they're parroting is very different now yes. than what it was then. And it's a pretty good parody of a late night talk show where you don't know what's going on. But I would say this show would do better now. Probably. Because like... It does run now on Twitch. It runs on Twitch? Yeah, as Mitch Live. Interesting. Because like, then you could be like, all right, here's a wacky game. And the idea of bringing a celebrity on to play a wacky game is not out of the ordinary for this style of show anymore. Right. So like, I think it could work better now than it did in 2011. Yeah. Uh, one of my things is, how would this show fare without Will Ferrell? You need to make sure there's a guest on every night mm-hmm. who could feasibly carry the show. Right. Which I, I think will lead me to ask you, is this a stay doomed or a stay doomed? To me, this is a stay doomed for longevity reasons. I, I also think Mike Mitchell feasibly would have to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, it's inconceivable if the show ran two or three seasons that Mike Mitchell could stay as awkward Yes, as the entire show. Like, if you start a job, you'll get better at the job, usually. Yeah. And you have to also keep upping the ante. Mm-hmm. There has to be, like, a moment in every show akin to steamrollering the bed or what have you. 
And I think one of the reasons the UCB show and the Twitch show is, I believe, monthly. Uh, the UCB show was monthly. Right. And I think it has uh, fewer opportunities to grow old. And if you're seeing it in a live theater, you're probably not going to see it every month either. Right. So I think it's easier to keep the gimmick fresh in a live show that someone's not going to watch every week, week in and week out. Also, there's no editing a live show. So if something had gone seriously wrong on this show, they could have just cut it. Yeah. With a live show, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. So, like, if, if you know, Will Ferrell gets upset at how unprofessional he is and yeah. storms out, we're seeing every moment of that if it's a, if we're there live. This produced version is kind of like, eh. There's a certain level of a safety net. I would also say it's a stay doomed. Just because, like, one, like, eventually he's going to stop struggling because he's going to do better. Yes. And there is, a, like, a wealth of ideas, though. Like, yeah. You just keep making it worse. Like, by the time you hit, like, a third or fourth season, it's like, we're going on tour. You don't know where you're going. That's fun. Like, there's a lot of stuff you could do. I think the major flaw, and you brought it up, is this whole Will Ferrell thing. Is, you know, will you always get a celebrity that will help drive the show? Yeah. More importantly, if this is going to be a weekly show, can you find celebrities willing to go on this show knowing full well... They are not the focus. Yeah. It will never be about what you have to say. It will always be about how this man reacts to you. Yeah. Because, like, you're also running into that idea where, since he's unprepared, you're a celebrity guest and he doesn't know who you are. Yeah, like, he didn't super seem to know who Jennifer Lawrence was. Right. Because this is right right before she blew up. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're not always... I mean... The first episode is good because Will Ferrell has his, like, this is his bread and butter. Right. And Jennifer Lawrence is bubbly, charismatic, and most importantly, game. Yeah. But there's clearly, the physical challenges with Will Ferrell, they don't have a segment that revolves around Jennifer Lawrence. Right. And they also do not take Will Ferrell out. Right. So in the more cushioned position that would protect... Um, you know, a younger talent or a talent who's not in comedy. Mm-hmm. It's really not about you. Yeah. Like, let's, like, in music right now, because I'm out of touch with music. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I I just learned who, uh, who's the bad guy? Who's, what's her name? Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Like, I just learned who Billie Eilish is. Yes. Uh, you still didn't quite know. Yeah, I still didn't quite know. But I just knew Billie Eilish. Elish is, and she's like the hot thing right now. Yeah, her music's different, and like she is topping the charts, important person. Yes. As her agent, would you risk putting her on a show that millions of people watch and watch some guy go, Who are you? This is going to be a weird um, thing. That example specifically, I would, because she seems very in tune with. Pop clothes. She's appeared on Hot Ones. Right. So she would probably be familiar with the show, but I wouldn't put like a Camilla Cabello or like someone who's less tied up in mm-hmm. an identity of being a little bit of a loose cannon. Because mm-hmm. I think like this particular show would suit a Billie Eilish well. Right. But like, I don't think I would toss up like a cast member from Riverdale or something. Yeah, well, what I'm There's saying, my like, one per show. If you were a fan of this show, and then a celebrity came on, and you're you're just a fan of of Michael Mitchell, mm-hmm. and you watch Michael Mitchell say, "I don't know who you are." As a fan of Michael Mitchell, I would say, "Well, I guess they're not worth me knowing either." Yeah, I mean, and like, would you, as an agent, risk putting your client in a situation where they are devalued? Probably not. I'm also thinking of who the target audience would be mm-hmm. if this is a late night talk show on FX. This is going to skew male 18 to 34. I'm not sure I would be pushing Billie Eilish on this show anyway. Right. But uh, no, like, but I'm, that's what I'm saying is like, you would probably be looking for an odd, like you would be looking for celebrities that would be um, more in line with that demographic and who Mike Mitchell would probably at least kind of already know. I mean, regardless of my example... 
there would be an episode where someone he doesn't know shows up. Right. Like that would that's kind of a moment you would be waiting for as a fan of this. Right. Would you as an agent want to risk having your new t- or your talent devalued by some dude on FX? No. No. But that's what I'm saying is like I think they would have to be consider like that's why I think the well of guests would dry up quickly is because the bookers and the agents would have to be really cognizant of that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, which is exactly why I'm saying it's a stay duped. Yeah, because like, yeah, you could have a Paul Rudd on there or, you know, I'm trying to think of other like guests you could, like, you could probably throw up like a Finn Wolfhard to promote it too or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the joke could be that Mike Mitchell doesn't know who Finn Wolfhard is because Finn Wolfhard is a child. Right. Because Finn Wolfhard already has the chops to roast the crap out of Mike Mitchell for it. Mm -hmm. But you would have to do so much in advance. I I just feel like the show would... It's a stylistic suck show. Yeah. And those are incredibly hard to pull off well. Mm -hmm. It's it's such a, a fun idea. But, like, I just don't think it's possible. And, like, because I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Like, am I supposed to wanting to see this guy succeed? Am I cheering for him? Or am I waiting for him to step on a rake? Like, it's... And I think, honestly, Mike Mitchell's a bad fit for his own concept. Mm -hmm. Stay with me here. I think this show would work better... With somebody who is already kind of a known personality and who you could kind of rely on their charisma. Like, if you had what's going on with Neil Patrick Harris. See, I disagree in that, like, he would be too good. Like, him doing an improv to show once a week would be fine. Like, I wouldn't care. <laughs> like, like, it wouldn't be that much better if he rehearsed. But I'm saying that, like, as a concept, when you're not leaning on the fact that it might suck, you could do a really fun thing where their reactions are a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But knowing that they have the charisma to kind of carry, and you're not relying on your celebrity guests. Um, I, I they're, they're not selling this show on, like, this guy is so talented he can do this. Because I would right. believe it would be a completely different show with Neil Patrick Harris. Absolutely. I, I do think having someone that I already had some sort of like connection with. Yeah. Because like I don't know Mike Mitchell. No. So if his bed gets destroyed, I really don't care. Because he's he's a stranger whose bed got destroyed. Yeah. I don't really care. He has a TV show. Yeah, we don't have a reason to really care about yeah. him. If it was someone just like a little higher up, yeah, on Neil Patrick the scale. Harris was a bet again. How you were trying to defend with like Billy Ellis, yeah. mm-hmm. Ellis not being the greatest example. Neil Patrick Harris is probably too good of an example. Yeah, I think if we had someone like we were aware of and would care about, like, them like a doing Nick well. Kroll, like someone who's Kroll. not super, super, super famous. Yeah, like, like a stand-up comedian that we would wish had a show. Yeah. Like, uh, like a Dimitri Martin or someone where we like... A Mulaney. Like, oh, I'm aware of them. I've never seen them in this setting, but I like them enough that I hope they do well. Like, that I think would be good. Yeah, I definitely agree that, like, Neil Patrick Harris was a bad example the same way Billie Eilish was a bad example. Mm -hmm. That, uh, name dropping a specific celebrity didn't work. Mm -hmm. But I think having... Someone, the audience, especially a niche audience like FX, could already be invested in. I'm sure somebody from the league isn't busy. Yeah. Like, somebody... The audience would be invested in enough to want to watch them succeed or fail. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's just not there. And it's, it's a shame I really wanted to like this show. And I did like this show. I was just like... The whole time I was like, this doesn't have the legs... Yeah, I could see all of the holes of this show couldn't really go on much mm-hmm. past one season. Yeah. That being said, if I found out they were doing this show at Helium, I would get tickets. Yeah. Because it would, I think being there live, like, it, there's stuff that just doesn't transfer over television. Absolutely. I think having there be no safety net 
is a really clever gimmick. Yeah. So I think this wraps it up, unless you had some more research. I really didn't. We had some clips that we watched from the live shows. He's doing it now as a Mitch Live on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And he's also a Doughboy or something? Uh, yeah, he has like a food thing that he does. He also does a podcast called Doughboys uh, that's doing well. It's a fun... like, they, And they appear to do that live as well. So apparently uh, Mike Mitchell really thrives in a live format. That makes sense. Hey, sorry to interrupt. Editor Noah here. I just wanted to share something I found out while editing this episode of Stay Doomed. There's a moment in What's Going On where he's interviewing Will Ferrell and Will Ferrell mentions the crowd for some reason. It's something like... That is... Yeah. If they were here right now... If they came down to Glendale, they'd get their asses kicked. Yeah. The two of us. Yeah. I think we'd make a pretty good combination. Two of us? Oh, yeah, the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a shot of the audience applauding and the camera kind of sweeps over it. And if you watch that shot, like, closely, the camera moves over and standing in the audience is Mike Mitchell. So this is clearly from another day of shooting. Mike Mitchell is dressed completely differently. So I just thought it was funny that they made this editing mistake and used footage of the audience of a different show. And this also shows that sitting in a vault somewhere, there are more episodes of this show that did not air. Or at least maybe a different version of this episode or something. There's footage of a different day and a different crowd. So I'm curious what that would have been. But this little editing mistake shows that there's more of this show out there. It exists somewhere. It's just not available. That's it for Editor Noah. Back to the show. So, yeah. Perfect. What we want to next week? This one hurts. We are watching the unfortunately short-lived Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, which is available now on Netflix. Uh, Just follow the sound of my weeping. (laughs) Where can people reach out to us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. And if you want to give me a TV show but not tell me anything and not make it so I have to do any work but just show up and get filmed, I'm at TV's Noah. If you really think that I should get a Westie named Reptar, I am at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed.